She's a longtime ag writer, a fierce advocate, and a storyteller. He's a boss on the block, an unapologetic patriot, and committed to the success of rural communities. I'm Rachel Gable. And I'm Jason Sanamaso, and this is the Pro Ag Podcast. Welcome to the Pro Ag Podcast Bonus Edition. I had the chance the other day to sit down with Congresswoman Harriet Hageman, a Republican from Wyoming. Now, she was integral in having the Security Exchange Commission withdraw their proposed rule to trade natural asset companies on the New York Stock Exchange. This essentially would have sold the rights to management of public lands as well as private lands with a conservation easement on them to the highest bidder. So you can imagine this would have been disastrous, especially in the West. So I had a chance to sit down with the Congresswoman, and I was going to bring you just a small portion of our conversation. But after listening to it again and really enjoying our conversation, I've decided to bring you the whole thing. So without further ado, here is Congresswoman Harriet Hageman. What a huge win with the uh, SEC taking out the proposed rules for the National yes. Assets Company. Can you tell me a little bit about the things that led up to this withdrawal? Well, sure. Let's talk a little bit about what natural asset com- natural asset companies were supposed to be. So this is kind of a, a, a creation of a private organization, the purpose of which was for our government to be able to sell the, quote, natural assets of uh, National Park Service lands, BLM lands, National Forest Service lands, and any private property with conservation easements on them to private investors. Uh, and and it could be uh, foreign governments. It could be the Chinese Communist Party. It could be uh, foreign nationals. But they would sell these companies or the interest in these companies and these natural assets. And the purpose would be to, to stop all future development and use of these lands. So in Wyoming, for example, of our surface estate is owned by the federal government. We have 9.2 million acres of National Forest Service lands. And um, what they could do is they could sell the natural assets to say Shoshone National Park or Shoshone uh, National Forest or Yellowstone National Park to Bill Gates. And then Bill Gates would have the right to be able to, to determine how those lands would be managed. But in no way could there be any kind of grazing, any kind of oil and gas development, any kind of mining, anything that would actually generate revenue. So this was a scam from the beginning. Um, It's just such a bizarre concept. Uh, Yellowstone National Park isn't going to be developed. And the idea that they would sell Yellowstone National Park natural assets to the Chinese Communist Party is just an absolute absurdity, but that's actually what natural asset companies did. So when we first found out about this, we got wind of this in October of last year. And the SEC, when it put this rule out, it put this out for public comment and gave 21 days for comments. Now, typically, comments are between 60 and 90, even 120 days. Keep in mind, this would potentially affect 600 million acres of federal land in the United States. And they gave a 21-day comment period. 
And then they didn't, they didn't broadcast it. They didn't, you know, they didn't say anything about, you know, get involved, have your, have your people contact us, tell us what you think. This was very, very, very quietly done, intentionally so, to keep people out of the loop. And then we got involved and we started writing letters, number one, demanding more time, and number two, challenging the very premise of this idea. And as a result, we were able to generate literally thousands of comments over the last month with people getting involved and saying, you can't do this. This is absurd. This is illegal. Um, we had a letter from 25 attorney generals uh, submitted uh, from, it was led by the attorney general of Utah and the attorney general of Kansas. They got 23 other state attorney generals involved challenging the legality of this. So so we just really rallied the troops. And two days ago, the SEC announced that the New York Stock Exchange had withdrawn their effort to set up natural asset companies. Are there natural asset companies that exist elsewhere? Not that I'm aware of. This is, like I said, this was a, the brainchild of a, of a private radical environmental organization that received millions of dollars in grants from a variety of environmental organizations and progressive organizations to be to come up with this idea and try to set it up and so this is my to my knowledge i've never heard of this concept anywhere i can't imagine any other country in the world doing something this absurd although with everybody screaming about this so-called climate crisis you might see their efforts to do these kinds of things. What we're seeing is we're seeing an engineered or forced scarcity. And you've got these governments and you've got these world leaders and these elitists that think that everybody should suffer, that we should minimize or limit the, our ability to produce food, limit our ability to produce energy. It's one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in my life, where our government leaders are actually attempting to force people into abject poverty. And this is just one more step in that direction. Mm -hmm. I thought it was so bizarre that it was such an attack on FLIPMA. Oh, it's huge. Uh, <clears throat> FLIPMA, the Multiple Use Sustained Yield Act, the, the National Forest Act. I mean, every single land management statutory framework was under attack with this because what they literally said in this rulemaking is that these natural asset companies, they would be the ones to determine how these lands would be managed. And they would not be allowed to do anything that generated economic development if it was not sustainable. So one of the things that they said is that they would be able to sell carbon credits. So what does that mean? This was their effort to do a cap and trade program. You know, many years ago under Obama, they tried to set up a cap and, a cap and trade program for so-called global warming on the Chicago Stock Exchange, and it failed miserably. Nobody would invest in it because why in the world would you invest in non-development? Why would you invest in a company that the very purpose of it is which it is to lose money and not generate revenue? And so it didn't work. But that was this was the, the new idea that they have come up with. So if I wanted to drill a well in private on private land near Douglas, Wyoming, I think what their next move would have been, I would have to buy carbon credits from, say, again, 
Bill Gates or the Chinese Communist Party who own the natural assets of Yellowstone National Park. It's just bizarre. And it's such a such a strange thing that we've gone from conservation to absolute preservation and the non-use. Well, then I wouldn't even describe it preservation. I, I understand why you do and what that means. But in reality, all of these lands would ultimately be destroyed. They're going to be invaded by, by, uh, by, by things like uh, Russian olives and tumbleweeds. It, it doesn't preserve the land when you, when you manage it in a way that does not allow for any development and use. Ultimately, you've destroyed the very resource that you're allegedly trying to protect. Oh, absolutely. Non, non-management is not That's managed. right. You know, again, it, it is a, it, it is a, it's an engineered uh, uh, scarcity. It's, it's engineered wretchedness. We have a government. I've been re- describing this for quite some time. Over the last couple of years, especially, it's just really ramped up. But we have world leaders that their entire view of the world is to make people suffer. And I, I don't understand it. I don't under- understand that totalitarian mindset. I don't understand why they believe that it is their responsibility to make people suffer. I mean, the thing that I think about is I think about ways in which we can increase energy development and increase food production so that we can bring more people out of poverty. They get up every day and they think about ways that they can decrease food production and decrease energy production to make more people suffer. And it's just such a bizarre mentality. We're in a very much a a, a teardown mode. We all know that it takes years to build a ranch, to, 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 to develop what you need to and to develop that business. It takes years to develop an accounting firm, to, to, and to get your client base in, in, in place. It takes years to build a convenience store and have your, a, a steady stream of customers. But it doesn't take a lot of things to tear those things down, especially when you've never built anything yourself. And we have, as, as a collective, almost throughout much of the world, we have put people in place who never could have built the vast majority of things that they're trying to destroy, yet that's exactly what they're doing is they're in a very destructive and tear down mode. And this is just one more part of that. Right. Well, while we're on the topic of destruction, um, I'm sure you've been following along with the uh, resource management plan there in southwestern Wyoming. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> Do you want to speak about that for a few minutes? Well, yes, the, the BLM, and this is part of their landscape rule, and all of these things are interconnected. So what they've done is we have the, the, the Rock Springs uh, BLM district is 3.6 million acres. And over the last five or six years, they've been working on the, on, on the Rock Springs Resource Management Plan, which they're required to do under FLIPMA. Every 10 years, they're required to reassess what kind of development where and access and use and recreation and grazing and mining and oil and gas development and all of those things. 
So they had four alternatives and they came, they studied the, the final alternative, the most alternative D they spent six years or seven years on it, spent $20 million on studying that. And it provided a, a balance between energy development, grazing, recreation, uh, preservation or conservation and all of those things. And then all of a sudden last year they came in and they picked alternative B and alternative B literally sets aside one point eight million acres, a full 50% of those lands for essentially no development, no use whatsoever. It would destroy our grazing, our agriculture industry over there. It would destroy our mining industry over there. Wyoming's the largest trona producer in the, in the, in the nation. Uh, our biggest competitors are China and Kazakhstan. We have the highest quality trona in the world, and that's where they in the it, that's where we mine it. They want to shut down those operations. Um, and it was just this bizarre uh, decision that everybody was left looking around saying, what in the world happened? Why would they do this? So we got involved yet again and, and provided comments and challenged what they were doing and demanded additional time for comments and additional input, and then really challenged the authority that they even have to do this. So this is all part of the, the, the NACs, the natural asset companies. What they're trying to do is they're trying to take away any kind of any kind of revenue de developing revenue generating industry destroy that take that away on these federal lands and what they were going to do with the natural asset companies is try to replace some of that revenue by having people like bill gates and the chinese communist party come in and and, and uh, uh buy these natural assets so that all of this stuff is interconnected all of this relates to each other because obviously Buying the natural assets and then just sitting there and holding these natural assets that will never generate revenue can only be afforded by people such as a Bill Gates or the Chinese Communist Party. And so they know that people are going to scream about the fact that we're losing all of the revenue off of these lands. So this was their effort to try to replace those and placate us. So yes, the, the Rocky Mountain, R, or excuse me, the Rock Springs RMP is a disaster. Um, we need to block it. Um, it, it violates every aspect of the statutory framework in which the BLM operates. And so, again, it's just all part of their plan to destroy our ability to use our lands and our, and our assets. It felt very retaliatory that uh, the Biden administration was unable to use like the monument designation in Wyoming to lock up millions of acres. So this felt very retaliatory to me. Well, that's exactly right. You can't do that to us. They cannot designate any more monuments in the state of Wyoming. So this is the way that they're going to do it. So in Utah and Arizona and these other states, they've gone in and they've literally done a land grab of hundreds of thousands of acres at a time. Uh, they've done serious damage to the Navajo tribe, uh, taking away over 300,000 acres right in the prime area where they have most of their oil and gas development to create a buffer around their Chaco monument. And so again, they go into these states and they have these huge land grabs. They can't do that in Wyoming under the Monument Act. So they're doing it through these RMPs. But again, it violates the, the very basis and the very purpose of the BLM. What can people do to help join in the fight against the land grabs and all of these uh, 
just bizarre things that keep coming from all directions. Well, they, they need to stay involved and informed and they need to become engaged. So with these natural asset companies, we were able to rally the troops and we got an enormous number of people involved and, and, and challenging this. And the New York Stock Exchange obviously got very cold feet and said, we're getting way too much blowback for this. We're, we're going to pull back. I don't for any, I, I don't at all believe they've given up on the concept, but they've at least had to regroup. They've had to back off and regroup and try to come up with another way in which they can steal our, um, our public lands out from under us and, and even private lands, as I said, any lands that have a conservation easement on them. That's why people have to be terribly careful about putting conservation easements on their property because you're going into business with organizations that sure as heck don't have your best interests at heart. And by that, I'm referring to things like the, the Nature Conservancy and, and even the Stock Growers Land Trust. What they do is they turn over those conservation easements to the federal government. They're enforced by the USDA. And you've got a very, very hostile USDA right now to private landowners, to private ranches, to your independent ranches, to your smaller farms and ranches. You have a very hostile USDA. So when you go into and, and engage and enter into one of these conservation easements, you're entering into a partnership with people who do not have your best interests at heart. They just want to make sure that you have that you will never be able to develop those lands from now into the long distant future. So people need to really pay attention to those, what they're doing with those. And then they also need to stay engaged and watch the USDA, watch the SEC, watch the BLM and the National Forest Service, because these agencies that, you know, we're, we're at the, at the, at the forefront, I guess you'd say, of pushing back hard against them. But this is going to be a long-term battle to retake these agencies to do what they were in, set up to do. Right. I think it's worth mentioning that these natural asset companies, it included public lands, federal lands, national parks, and any private land that was entered into a conservation easement agreement. That's exactly right. So you might have a conservation easement on your property, and the next thing you know, you've got some foreign national coming in and deciding what you can do with that property. And people are going to say, but I have a contract. I have an agreement that says I can continue to run, that I can continue to run sheep or I can continue to run cattle. I urge people to look at those contracts because those contracts typically specifically state that such activities, grazing, farming, that type of thing are compatible with the conservation values of the land, quote, at this time. In other words, when they write those contracts, they say that those activities are compatible with the conservation values of the property. And that's what they're trying to protect is the conservation value of the property. That's why you're putting a conservation easement on it. But if you go look at that contract, what it will say is that those types of activities, the grazing and the farming and the, and, and the forestry and that sort of thing are compatible with the conservation values of the property at this time. 
You get the Chinese Communist Party come in there and say, well, we've determined that those those activities are no longer compatible with the conservation values of this property. You think about having some of our biggest enemies in the world have the right to dictate our land use on both our public lands as well as private lands, and you've got a recipe for disaster where we will be enslaved more quickly than people could possibly even imagine. Mm -hmm. Have you been keeping an eye, and I'm sure you have been, on the uh, wolf reintroduction in Colorado that is probably going to affect some of the ranchers in southern Wyoming? Well, yes, I have. I don't know if you knew, but I was I was the one who fought that lawsuit for 15 years. So I filed my first lawsuit against the Fish and Wildlife Service in 2002 on behalf of 28 different organizations in the state of Wyoming challenging their failure to properly manage the gray wolves. And in 2017, we got the Circuit Court of Appeals in Washington, D.C. to agree that Wyoming's wolf management plan was adequate. So I'm intimately familiar with Wyoming's wolf management plan. And there's two things that Wyoming did that Montana and Idaho didn't do that have allowed us to actually manage that predator so that we can protect our other wildlife resources as well as our livestock industry. We have two things. One is that outside of northwestern Wyoming, the gray wolf is considered uh, a predator so they can be shot on site. And so one of the things that Colorado is screaming about is that when they in, when they introduce those wolves and release those wolves into northern Colorado, uh, some of them have crossed the state line and our ranchers have the right to shoot them. Well, that's the way our wolf management plan is written and they don't have any say in it whatsoever. They wanna unleash a predator on us, we can kill that predator when it crosses the state line. It's that simple. They shouldn't have done something so stupid as to, to do a, 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 a um, referendum to allow wolves back in Colorado. It was a stupid thing to do. And so we have the right to kill them. But the other thing that we did is we made it the whole purpose of the wolf introduction program in the mid 1990s. And Wyoming was sold out to do this. It was sold out by our governor at the time, but we were sold out to introduce wolves in Yellowstone National Park. And the whole purpose of it was to repopulate the gray wolf in Yellowstone National Park, not Wyoming as a whole. And in fact, when you go back to those original documents, they are very, very clear that Wyoming is not suitable for wolf habitat, that only Yellowstone National Park in northwestern Wyoming is. So we mandate in our wolf management plan that a certain number of the packs that are counted against us have to remain in Yellowstone National Park. And we did that to force the federal government to actually manage this predator. So we did a, a much better job, I think, than either Idaho or Montana in protecting our state sovereignty and protecting our other users as well as our wildlife than those states did. But here you have Colorado and they're going to release those wolves in, in, in the northern part of the state. If they cross the state line, we get to kill them. Yeah, it's been a, it's the optics of the release were disastrous and it's been a... <coughs> And a, a long process watching this wreck come to fruition. It, and it is a wreck. 
Uh, but again, these are people who don't have to make a living on actually producing things. I'll go back to what I was saying earlier. These people are in a teardown mode and it's, it is government imposed wretchedness. It's engineered scarcity that they're trying to impose against the American public. And we all need to rise up and just say, we're not going to tolerate this anymore. You all work for us. We don't work for you. You don't have the right to release a predator on our property. You don't have a right to do something that's going to kill our livestock. And we're not going to tolerate this. And I think that that's a message that we need to be sending to our so-called public servants. Again, they work for us. We don't work for them. I think that's important. We, we need T-shirts in Colorado that say that. Yes. Has put on our hands or something so that we don't forget that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. And and that's our that's our very foundation of our form of government. It's a government of by and for the people. And that's why when you see what's happening here in Washington, D.C., and you look at this, this incredible hatred against producers, it's just, it's mind-blowing. I, I attend these hearings, and you really see it in the Natural Resource Committee, where we have people who come in and who are responsible for making people's lives better. They produce oil and gas. They produce coal. They produce food. And you've got people on the other side of the aisle that just sit there and sneer at them and snap at them and say horrible things to them as all they're trying to do is make people's lives better. And it's just it's just bizarre to watch. It is. I hope that we we swing back to the other side of the pendulum soon. We will. We, We will. And that's why people have to be engaged. Your listeners need to be engaged. They need to they need to go to their county commissioner meetings. They need to go to the legislature. They need to be contacting their congressional representative and say, you know what? That isn't what we want. We, we don't want you to destroy our energy industry. We, we don't want to live the way that people lived 120 years ago. The invention of the uh, internal combustion engine, the 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 ability to to mass produce and uh, uh, oil and gas, it's changed our lives. My mother is a hundred years old, and I think about what her life was like a hundred years ago, and when she was in school, and they spent every day getting up at four o'clock in the morning and milking the cows and chopping the wood and uh, just trying to make it so that they could survive. And then you look at the luxury in which we live today and every bit of that is because of the mass production of energy that we have fi- that we figured out how to produce a, a um, oil and gas and coal and, and and nuclear energy and these other resources hydropower we created an absolute uh, utopia almost in terms of the the amenities that we have as compared to a hundred years ago. And again, you have these people who've never created anything and they are just hell bent on destroying it. It makes no sense. Yeah. We truly are a society of creators and producers. And it's time yes, we, we are. That. Anything else you'd like to mention representative? Well, I don't think so. I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you and, and your listeners. It's always wonderful to to be able to to talk to the, the people out there that I represent. I mean, I represent Wyoming, but I represent our country too. And I think that these issues definitely transcend state ba- boundaries. So I, I appreciate people engaging and, and wanting to be involved on these incredibly important matters. Well, I appreciate all the work that you're doing and, and you've certainly been a, a stalwart soldier in the in the fight and I appreciate that about you. Well, thank you.
Of course. Hopefully I'll be up in Wyoming soon at a stock growers meeting or something where where uh, where you'll be and I'll be able to to visit with you in person. I'm looking forward to that. Well, I hope so. And you have a great day today.